Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. My name is Brian Reinhardt. I don't know. This is this is really hard for me. Um, I guess I can kind of just talk about my journey back from hell. I guess <laughs> really. Early on in my childhood, I had some real traumatic experiences. We had a car accident, and I. I witnessed my sister's death like right in front of my eyes. Like I watched the light go out of her eyes and that, that really hurt me. So in that, I don't know if it was that or just I was born this way or whatever it is, but I never really felt right anywhere. You know, I was always uncomfortable in situations. So I found myself kind of growing up self-medicating to try to get rid of that. You know, whether it was sex, drugs, gambling, you know, opiates, whatever it is, just to get outside myself to make myself feel okay. I did that for, I mean, up until four years ago. Um, in and out, like, I would always have all the resolve in the world to stop. I can get out of jail, just have a mission, you know, to not do this anymore and just could manifest no outward action to stop doing it. I was always successful. I had owned a business for many years and did really well at it. My little brother worked with me for a while at the delivery company, even started his own. And towards the end where I really started to dive off was he had had a massive stroke from some drugs that we went and got. And during that, like I ended up self-medicating more and just went from living in Scottsdale successful to homeless on the streets. I had no experience on the streets at all. I mean, it ate me alive in the beginning and I don't know, it just destroyed me. I ended up going to a halfway house after treatment. I was still on methadone at the time. <clears throat> Thinking I was sober, I was good. You know, I've got my Circle K job, I'm a, you know, eventually make it back, even though in my heart, I felt like I'd never have anything tangible again. I ended up at a halfway house with Wayne Giles and he was working at New Freedom. They weren't open yet. However, there was quite a few people in the facility or that were working in the facility at my halfway house. And every time these people came home, they were happy. They had something just attached to them I didn't know what it was, but whatever it was, I wanted that. I ended up in uh, Joe McDonald's living room for PON. He was doing it there at the time during COVID. And I mean, Joe will tell you, I couldn't really say two words to anybody at the time. Just, just broken. Just, just sat there. And for, for some reason, I just kept going back. Like I felt something there, even though I felt like something was attached to me that didn't like it because I would shiver when I first felt it. But ultimately, through that process, then ultimately going through the step process with Joe, all of that stuff started to like fall away, started to break away. It wasn't immediate. There wasn't an aha moment for me. I feel like I'm still walking into that now, you know? But it, it got to a point where I was able to become a dishwasher here, you know? Start there, start small. And I remember hearing that Joe wanted to get his position in neutrality meeting on YouTube and get kind of a catalog there. And they were struggling kind of to do that. So I told him I'll do it. And he's like, yeah, okay. So I think it was the next week we were live on YouTube. 
and we were going. He was happy with that. I was still in the kitchen. I think I showed him some other things that I had never really done before, but just, I don't know, kind of, I think God just, just started flowing things through me and just gave me opportunities and just started opening things up for me in just, just a big way. And so it, anyhow, like it got to a point where I started doing all these little things and Joe started noticing it and he's like, why is this guy in our kitchen washing our dishes? Let's, you know, let's give him another opportunity. So ultimately I started working in the media department and I felt like what really saved me and brought me back to life was first off, it was God. The, the, the thing that was hitting me in that moment was power. It was a tangible power that I could feel. And it was shaking me. It was rocking me to my core. And I didn't know what that was at the time. And through that, I was able to start coming back to society, start being able to feel okay. I would have these moments where I'd go into a meeting just shaking, terrified. I would step away, remember what Joe would always say is like, pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated or doubtful, and pray, meditate, pray. And I would utilize that to then go in and take that meeting. And through that, I started becoming successful again. I started to have a tangible career again. And now I'm you know, working in the media department and I have people under me that are just doing the same thing. I'm able to give back in the way that Joe did for me to others. The man that walked alongside me until I was able to come back from really the depths of hell was Joe McDonald. Thank you. Yeah, Brian, uh, he, he started showing up at the house at first and, and like anyone who's experienced homelessness and, and you know, just sort of the degradation that many of us go through an addiction. He, he was uh, almost looked like a shell shock victim from the old World War I movies and things. He would sit there clutching what few possessions he had and, and uh, obviously was having trouble with social engagement. But in our crowd, we, we don't find that abnormal behavior. We, we come to expect that at least on first encounters. And so in time, I watched him starting to come out of himself, and I, I do remember when I was approached to see if, if he could come to work in the kitchen, um, he had friends that were advocating for him, and, and my only concern about Brian was that he wouldn't hurt himself, <laughs> because I wasn't entirely certain Facts. about how stable he really was, but um, you know, he did, he, he came in, he started doing, and then he started, my father was moving out of his house he he's no longer mentally capable of managing his own affairs so back then while we're going through covid we're in the process of moving me out of the the home the only home i had known since childhood so it was very traumatic for me and brian was there you know helping and uh, i don't know these are hard moments for me to recall but i just i saw that he had so much ability and i thought god how did so much ability get trapped in that devastation that was this man. I, I said, we can't allow that to continue. And so then we started pouring into him. He started pouring into others. And now we have this self-assured man. 
Do you think that the Brian that you know today is the exact same person that you met then? Oh no, that, that man I met then is long dead. And the man I know now is this new creation and he's vibrant and he's pouring into people. Um, no, it's, it's really a walking miracle. Do you think that just in Brian's example, uh, that's inspiration for others? Do you think that there are people that would see exactly what he went through and that might be enough to be like, okay, if this guy was that strung out, he was that down on his luck, he was that ready to just blah. Do you think that that would be enough to say, okay, if this guy can get this done and look at him now, maybe what could you say to those people in the sense like, hey, this guy was rock bottom and look at him now, he is shiny. Could you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, it was. Not only that, but he inspires those of us that are in the... When you work with the truly hopeless, there's a lot of cases that just don't respond. And and so there's a lot of thankless work in the servants, yeah. in, in the servants field. And um, so in the lowest points in my career here, and there has been some, people like Brian are always what brings me back to here's why I do it because the age of miracles is still with us yes and this is living proof and this is living proof we always challenge them at the recovery meeting if you don't believe in miracles <laughs> walk with me yeah I'll show you do you think that the compassion that Brian showed for his brother even when he was at his worst speaks to his character a little bit he could have been he was, despite the fact that he was at this place of absolute desperation, something still in him was like, no, 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 that's my bro. That's my brother. We use those drugs together. We, you know, he obviously beat himself up for that. Do you think that speaks to Brian's character a little bit? Absolutely. And and I remember the struggles he had of reining his brother in because his brother wasn't here. His brother was off somewhere else and not living well. And, and uh, he, he had to go wrangle him and he was you know, really up to his neck and things around here on top of that. And, um, but he was called to do it and I understood the calling and, and his brother is actually a very bright light and, and an inspiration in his own right. And he's a very unique individual who's overcoming. I think Eric is probably one of the most outstanding examples of the courage to persevere. Yeah. No, absolutely. Unstoppable. I can I can share a little story with yeah. you, and Eric might get mad at me for this, but I'm we won't tell him. I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> so, I had done something pretty bad to my father. Um, I had stole a large sum of money from him and kind of disappeared. And I carried a lot of guilt for that, and I wasn't communicating with my father. And then I guess he reached out to my little brother and said, "You know what? Brian's forgiven. I just want to talk to him." I just want to talk to him. So even in that moment, it still took me <laughs> like a few months to just, you know, like I said, I'm still walking into it. It's not perfect. It took me a few months to, to reach out and touch base with him, but I did. We started talking, we started re-engaging, started reconnecting, right? And so we went over there and I had a lot of things going on. I had a new promising career and just a lot of light shining through. And my dad was very proud of that. So, and I'd also reconnected, my brother had seen him the whole time. So there was a lot going on in that moment. 
and my dad's focus was there. And I could see it hurting my little brother a little bit, you know. And we were driving back, and he said something, and I got mad at him, and I yelled at him for a second. I stopped myself. I'm like, well, let's not do that. That's not the way to handle the situation. And it hit me in the spirit in that moment, like, I need to lift him up. I didn't need to tear him down. And he said after his stroke that he has felt hopeless for, for like seven years, like just pointless, like he has no point. And I, I looked at him, and I was pretty curt, and I was like, you, <laughs> you got a mouse hand. I'm not going to use the words I said, but I'm like, you got a right hand. You can operate a mouse. You can edit some videos, you know, and we talked about it, and it took him a minute to kind of come back out of that, but he's now being a big part of that he's he's sending out joe's joe's videos all across the world you know and he comes in almost every day and volunteers his time with this organization you know and it's it's interesting because i see this big map of all these little dots where this you know life-changing meeting for me goes to i don't necessarily see the other side of it i know there's people like myself on the other side right and I don't think he sees this either until we got something from, I guess, a video from one of the... It was the clemency board hearing. The clemency board hearing. And the man actually mentioned the meeting that I spent two years working on, getting on the tablets and how it changed him and like in that moment. And I actually want my brother to see it because I want him to see the impact of the work that he's doing. It's important. And he absolutely does have purpose. I think realistically, if some, I mean, someone that has a serious stroke feels this overwhelming sense of hopelessness, comes back into the light and is now brought one, two, a thousand. How many people have watched right. these videos in these cells? That, I mean, if New Freedom can take someone that feels entirely hopeless and enable them to spread hope, not just feel better. Right. Okay, I'm okay now. But like, no, 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 no. Not only am I okay, I'm editing videos. My work is going out to thousands of people. I'm changing lives. Right. Does that make you guys feel like, hey, I think we might have actually done something <laughs> Absolutely. Like, this Absolutely. is changing the world. Did it hit you? Like, oh, okay, we are changing the workforce. We're changing the way people get educated. We're changing how drug recidivism works in prison. Did those things ever just hit you? And you're like, oh my God. Maybe more so now in this moment, really. I mean, I, I can't really speak for him, but I'm I'm so buried in it day to day. And, you know, like I said, I get these little moments of, you know, clarity and inspiration. But some of the stuff that we're doing is absolutely going to break the cycle of incarceration and change it for generations. It's going to be a lasting change. 